Welcome to Global Dispatches, a podcast about foreign policy and world affairs. I'm your host, Mark Leon Goldberg, editor of UN Dispatch. And in this show, we discuss topical global issues. And I have conversations with foreign policy thought leaders who discuss their life, career, and the big events that shape their worldview. On February 21st, the United Nations did something extremely rare. Agencies declared that a famine was ongoing in parts of South Sudan. More than 100,000 people are affected by this famine, and childhood mortality rates are already surging. On the line with me to discuss why this famine declaration was made, what it means on the ground for the people affected by it, and the humanitarian agencies trying to contain the damage is Steve Taravella, senior spokesperson for the World Food Program in Washington. And as Steve describes, famine is actually a technical term. It doesn't just mean having no food. Rather, it's a threshold that's taken from a number of indicators that combined mean people are diving from starvation in extreme numbers. This famine declaration comes as the UN is also fighting intense food security crises in Yemen, Somalia, and parts of northern Nigeria. And Steve describes how this is really an unprecedented moment for relief organizations like his. You know, with all the the news, the daily unrelenting pace of news coming from Washington, covering the Trump administration, this seems like an important moment to shine a spotlight on a story that is so far off the front pages, though if I were running the media, it'd be on the front page of every paper every day. As always, please hit me up on Twitter at Mark L. Goldberg or via the website, globaldispatchespodcast.com, or you can send me an email. If you are new to the podcast, welcome. Go to globaldispatchespodcast.com to check out our archives. You can also get our app. I don't know how many people know we have a standalone app for your iPhone or Android that's free. You can download it on the website. And now here is Steve Taravella of the World Food Program. Looking for a trustworthy podcast to bring you unfiltered viewpoints and experiences on global health? Tune into Global Health Matters, the podcast that connects silos and amplifies diverse voices to give you a holistic picture. Each month, Dr. Gary Aslanian from the World Health Organization hosts discussions with guests spanning former ministers of health, award-winning journalists and authors, and frontline public health workers. Join listeners from across 180 countries for an exciting Season 4, launching in June. Global Health Matters is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Essentially, we've been working extremely hard with many others in that region to try to prevent this and, and haven't been able to. So when circumstances got to the point that people began starving. I mean, there are people right now who are already dying from lack of food in their lives. Um, the conditions in the, in one part of the country, in part of Unity State, South Sudan, met all the criteria for famine. And, and that's why we made that very public, to sort of sound the alarm to the world that, the, that this just wasn't a case of, of um food shortages of the normal sort that we deal with in many parts of the world, but that this was a dire um, emergency situation where people would now be dying. Um, So what are the criteria that go into um, determining that a famine is is ongoing? Well, to speak technically just for a minute, I, I, I would say famine is what we call phase five, the most severe phase 
of a classification system the UN and the humanitarian community at large uses called uh, IPC, Integrated Phase Classification, Measuring Food Security. And there are various criteria, things like the percentage of, of households that are experiencing extreme food shortages. For famine phase five, it's 20%. Uh, that acute, mal acute malnutrition rates exceed 30% in a given area. That mortality rates are two or more deaths per 10,000 people every day. So there, there are very specific barometers like that that we look for before uh, declaring that an area is experiencing famine. So, so it means more than just not having enough food, right? It, 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 it needs to meet these other kind of scientific indicators as well. It does. It does. And it's not just the, the World Food Program who makes that determination. This is a broad consensus of, of uh, folks who work in that field. And, um, and you're right. It's not just, a, I hate to use the word even routine shortage of food, but I mean, you know, the, 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 the impetus behind declaring a famine is to convey to the world that something very urgent and dire and serious is happening here and people are losing their lives. Um, and so in South Sudan right now, how many people in Unity State, you say it's part of Unity State, which is one state in South Sudan, are, are being affected, are, are considered under the threat of famine. Is that correct? Right. There are two counties in Unity State where we have declared famine is now present. That means that those conditions have deteriorated so badly that people are dying from lack of food. That's about 100,000 people facing starvation in those two counties. And another 1 million people are on the brink of famine. In other words, their communities are very close to the conditions in those unity state counties. Like of that, uh, what is it, fi phase five classification system? Or are they like number four? Exactly. They're in number four and are on the brink of famine. And we're watching very closely um, you know, to see how, how conditions unfold. But beyond that count, I mean, a nationwide, the estimate is about five, it's, let's say almost 5 million people, 4.9 million people are in need of urgent food, nutrition, and agricultural assistance to kind of keep, keep the famine at bay. And that's an astonishing number. I mean, since, since most of your listeners are in the States, I would, I would, you know, put that in some context. 4.9 million people, that's all of Queens and Brooklyn. I mean, yeah. it, you know, in New York, we're talking an enormous number of people. Or more and than the state of Connecticut. That's know. a good frame of reference, too. Yeah. And I think when we talk about, you know, bandy about numbers in the, in the kind of work that we do, we sometimes lose perspective for what that means because the numbers are so great. So, so what is the World Food Program doing? I mean, you are the UN agency that delivers emergency food relief. So why aren't you delivering the, the food relief needed to prevent people from starving in these two counties in Unity State? Wow. Good question. A, I would say we are delivering. We're delivering um, at, we have been delivering the entire time that this has been a problem. You know, when when South Sudan was formed as a state three years ago and the world celebrated the the, you know, the planet's newest country. There was such hope for what could happen there. But very quickly, largely because of conflict, living conditions started deteriorating and WFP was there from the very beginning and has been trying to meet the, 
the food needs of South Sudan's people, with many others, both in the UN and out. But in conflict conditions like this, Mark, it's just not possible for humanitarians alone to solve what's happening. Um, when normal food distribution patterns are disrupted, either because one warring faction or another has closed off roads or denied us access, or because people who need food don't feel safe enough physically to come out to get it, or because our humanitarian you know, aid workers are not safe enough to enter certain areas to, to deliver it. Um, it's, it's one of those perfect storms of a very bad situation. So we and others have been trying. We wanted to avoid this. Nobody wanted to declare a famine. But in conflict settings like this, you know, in South Sudan, we've seen a lot of resources and energy and money and attention diverted from agricultural production, which is critical, and food development, to war. And mm -hmm. essentially, you can't farm when you're fighting. And uh, that's just made the goal of providing enough food for South Sudan's people impossible right now. So that, I mean, that, that kind of brings to mind something that's often said about famine, which is that they are pretty much always man-made, right? That, that this is a, a crisis. There is enough food in the world. There is enough food in South Sudan. It's just a, a matter of, of politics and, and conflict that is literally starving people. So, uh, you know, to the extent that this is, you know, a, a man-made crisis, is it really then like a political solution is the only thing that will solve this famine. I mean, humanitarians, as you said, like yourselves, can only access the places in which they're secure enough to access, or which they have enough, you know, funds to to be able to provide the 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 relief that's needed. So, is the solution, I suppose, to this famine essentially political? Then, you know, I would I wouldn't say that famines are always man made. No, um, I don't know enough about the historical context for famines in prior decades, but yes. I can say that this particular famine in South Sudan is definitely man-made. This is a uh, severe hunger situation driven almost exclusively by the conflict there. The conflict and fighting has caused the you know, economy to spiral downward, which means that there's a shortage of food commodities in markets. Uh, it means that even when there, even where there is food, uh, people who need it don't have the money to buy it. I think right now the South uh, South Sudanese pound is about 82 to the U.S. dollar versus about 18 to the U.S. dollar a year ago. That's a dramatic deterioration. So the so massive inflation. It is right. So if you're a farmer, as many people in that region are, and you work in agriculture, and you know what little money you had doesn't buy you anything. You're, you're not able to provide for your family that way, and you can't provide from, for your family with the crops that maybe you used to produce because you're not putting time into doing, um, uh, working on your crop yields now because of the conflict. And it's not as if you can suddenly say, well, I'll rebuild now. And No, it, it, it takes several years for you know, crops to produce food after, after re, you know, replanting. So the last famine to, to strike the region, the last time the World Food Program and other agencies declared famine was in Somalia in 2011, correct? Right. 
Uh, and that famine, it turns out, seems to have had a profoundly devastating and deadly uh, impact. Something like a quarter of a million people are estimated to have died as a result of the, the famine. Are there any sort of lessons that could be drawn from the response to that famine uh, that might be applied to the current situation in South Sudan? Well, I think one one observation that's important to make is that in Somalia, um, you know, people had already died. I mean, literally starved to death by the time famine was declared. And that's exactly what's happening now. So while this is a call to action around South Sudan, the truth is um, deaths have already occurred. So we're in a very severe spot. Second, I would say in response to your question, um, I know people tire of hearing that additional funding is the answer, but in this case, it's a big part of the answer. So while we've been talking about this in in South Sudan as a um, a result of conflict and that you know uh, calling upon the parties to end the fighting is a big part of what needs to happen to prevent more deaths, in the immediate term, the reality is, the humanitarian community needs more funds. Uh, I mean, WFP alone is asking for $205 million from donors over the next six months just to contain what's happening in South Sudan. That's a great amount of money to ask from countries who have already given generously over the past couple of years for uh, the emergencies we've been dealing with in Iraq, in Yemen, in, in South Sudan. Uh, but it's what's needed to stop this. I, I do remember on, on the funding question that one of the hiccups in the international response to the Somalia uh, famine was that you know the parts of, of Somalia that were under famine were controlled at the time by al-Shabaab, the Islamist, the al-Qaeda-linked group. Uh, right. And there was concern on Capitol Hill, uh, which is, uh, you know, the U.S. is, of course, the, the, the biggest donor to the World Food Program, that inadvertently funding might end up in the hands of al-Shabaab if they if if funds were released to the World Food Program, uh, which would be a violation of, of U.S. law. So there was some concern and some delay, if I recall, in dispersing the kinds of funds that were necessary to head off the worst effects of the, the Somalia famine. Look, everywhere we work, WFP does all it can to make sure that donor funds and actual food given by all donors, not just the U.S., get to the people for whom it's intended. Um, we all feel a great responsibility here as custodians of those donations to make sure that they're used appropriately. And nobody wants to see food, food diverted. And incidents of that have been rare and infrequent. Um, so in, in, uh, sort of looking, you know, I, I guess sort of trying, I'm trying to put like the, the situation in Somalia in sort of a broader context of global humanitarian emergencies and, and, and famines in particular, like what, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Somalia or South Sudan? Pardon me, South Sudan. Okay. So putting, yes, yeah, sort, sort of putting the, the, the current crisis in South Sudan in sort of broader context, I, I guess how... Uh, I guess famine is, is obviously like, like as you said earlier, means people are, are starving right now. How bad can it get? Like if you don't receive those funds or if you receive like a fraction of those funds, how do you expect this situation to, to unfold? I guess there are two answers to that. One is in uh, 
One is uh, regarding South Sudan specifically. If we don't receive those funds, we will run out of food by the end of June. That's just a fact. That means we might have to start reducing ration. I mean, it, it, it means putting in place uh, a whole new set of procedures for responding to the food need there based on very little money. We simply will not be able to meet the food needs of people in South Sudan and more people will die. Outside of South Sudan, if we don't receive more funds, there are several other countries that are on the brink, I would say, of famine conditions that the entire humanitarian community is watching very closely. Uh, Somalia, which we've talked about, is one of them. Also, Nigeria and Yemen. Um, Nigeria and Yemen in particular also facing situations driven by conflict. Um, so uh, it, it would be unprecedented in modern times to experience at the same time famine in multiple countries. But that could happen in 2017 if um, donor nations and individuals don't respond uh, to a greater degree than they have right now. And northern Nigeria, there are parts of northern Nigeria that have been sort of that recently liberated from Boko Haram uh, that uh, are experiencing or, or perhaps under the still under the threat of, of conflict of Boko Haram that are, are experiencing famine like conditions or, or near famine conditions. Right. Exactly. Northern Nigeria uh, and Yemen, is, especially it's uh, it's very, very serious. And in, in fact, I mentioned in one of the emails that there is uh, a press conference in New York today uh, with the heads of several UN agencies to talk about what's, what's happening in those three countries. I don't know what exactly will be said. I know that they are not prepared to declare famine there today, but I know that everybody is very concerned and watching really seriously uh, to see how those conditions unfold. Yeah, I mean, this is, as you said, unprecedented. I mean, I've, I've been following, I've been reporting on the UN for almost 15 years, and there's never, I mean, there, there have been famines, you know, as I said, Somalia was, was a really horrendous famine, but there have never been multiple famines declared in different places all at the same time, as far as I can remember. No. And the irony of this is that at the world food program, you know, we've been saying for several years that we've never seen simultaneous, what we call level three emergencies, um, at the same time. And yet we have dealt with for the past three years, South Sudan, Iraq, um, Yemen, the Central African Republic, and of course, Syria. Um, and yet, you know, each time one surfaces, we think, my God, how can this be? Another country whose hunger conditions are so severe that we declare them level three, which means the greatest organizational response we can, you know, we can mount. Um, and we have been incredibly inspired by the response of the donor community to help us meet those needs, and yet it hasn't been enough. And that's without famine. Now adding famine into the context, this is a really serious global situation. This is not a crisis for WFP alone or for UNICEF alone. This is a crisis for the entire global community. Uh, well, Steve, thank you so much for your time. This was, this was helpful. Sobering, Thanks. but helpful. Yeah, no, you're welcome. Thanks for your interest, Mark. Appreciate your help in getting word out. All right. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to Steve. And stay tuned for some great episodes coming up. Um, I'm excited we have in store. Bye.